the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right. Welcome back to the program. Craig Roberts and along with me tonight in studio, Reverend Walter Hoy. Have you seen the billboard? They're up all over Oakland. I'm not going to tell you where, but you drive around, you'll see them. That says predominantly black and beautiful, too many aborted.com. And we're talking about this campaign. Let's get to some of your calls. We're going to go first to Will, hanging out somewhere on the 880 freeway. Will, come on in with your comment or question for Reverend Walter Hoy. Hey, uh, Brother Craig and Reverend Hoy, I just want to say, hey, God bless you both, you know. Uh, it saddens me because I've encountered these people that have abortions back to back to back, and it's almost like it's a means of birth control. Mm, it is. In these death mills, you know, I mean, that's what I call abortion clinics. I, I think they put them pretty near high schools also, if I'm not mistaken. Well, they do, don't they, Walter? I mean, they're not only associated with clinics. Sometimes these clinics, I mean, you you can get the the family planning information right absolutely, there at absolutely. an on-campus clinic. On campus, and if it's not on campus, they'll actually provide transportation to the nearest clinic, which isn't too far from the campus, and they can do it without parental notification. Yeah, that's the thing you and I have talked about. I still remain <laughs> astonished to this day. If your daughter goes into the school nurse and says, I have a headache, exactly. they are they are mandated by law to call the parents and get permission to administer an aspirin. Lord. If, however, the same daughter shows up the school nurse and says, I took a test, I found out I'm pregnant, I don't want this baby, my parents will insert excuse here, uh, that nurse will make arrangements for transportation to take that child down to a local Planned Parenthood clinic, receive an abortion, and get them safely back home again, and they don't even as much as need to tell you that it's going on, let alone get your permission. Now, chew on that one for a while. Unbelievable. It's a sad day in America simply because they can't muster up the funds to to educate and to, to keep the schools open and to help rehabilitate convicts and to get people off of drugs. But if you want to kill your baby, have at it. Yep, you're, you're exactly right. And, and um, I, I would be the first to say, I tell you what, I'll make you a deal here. The 300-plus-odd million dollars a year that Planned Parenthood gets out of my back pocket, well, not all of it, but if you want to say we're going to invest an equal amount with the crisis pregnancy centers across the country, we're gonna we're gonna be equal. If this is all about choice, then let's right. make the choice available out there. As they argue that that's what they want to accomplish, and I'd be happy to say that. Okay, if we can't come to an agreement to cut off funding for Planned Parenthood, which is ideal, then at least say be fair about it. But they don't want to do that, do they, Walter? No, they really don't. They really want all the money for themselves, and it's really not about choice at all. No, this is about big money. Will, thanks so much for the call and the observation. Here is Linda in Sunnyvale. Linda, come on in with your comment or question for Reverend Hoy. All of these men talk about this topic. Never do you hear women come in and chime in about this whole matter. And it's a woman issue. Well, I mean, it's more than a woman issue, but 
I, I don't hear any women calling in on this topic. Well, we're going to write uh, write that Miss Ballas right here because uh, Sister Hoy happens to be in studio with us. What about that? I mean, that's certainly, you know, if you look at, at a lot of people that have been involved in kind of the front lines of pro-life, it's been a lot of guys, and yet, ironically, just the opposite is true. On that side of the camp, it seems to be, you know, the guards that escort women in and the ones that run the clinics, the abortion clinics, all tend to be women. Right. Well, it's not just a woman's issue. You can't have a baby without a man. So to say that men have no right to speak is not true. And women are on both sides of the issue. There are women on the pro-life side of the issue, especially African-American women who are speaking up, saying that the lives of our children are being slaughtered and it's got to stop. So, But, you know, I, I wonder, Linda, if we take this a little step further, what I find curious is that a lot of, a lot of those that are, find themselves counted amongst the feminists... And you can be a Christian feminist, too. Uh, maybe not too easily so, might argue someone like Phyllis Schlafly, but you can do it. Where are the, where are the feminists in all of this that understand right. what's happening to, to women? Because, you know, the other thing that's happening, not only are, are women having to deal with a post-traumatic stress disorder and all of the, 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 the backside of this highly emotionally charged issue, but 50% of those that are being aborted are girls. Right. Exactly. Right. No, no, I think I definitely think it's a man and woman issue. It's just I, when I see these marches and all this other stuff, I see a bunch of men, especially in front of like a Planned Parenthood in San Jose. They usually have like a, a rally or information about why not to abort your child. And I've never seen a female out there. Wow. Ever. You should come to the Walk for Life West Coast in San Francisco, and you can see over 30,000 women, children, and the ladies that run that walk. You know, it's an all-women event. We put it, women put it on, women put it together, women get the speakers. I mean, if you want to see women in force for life, then January 21st, I believe, 2012, be at the Embarcadero at 10 o'clock, and you'll see us. We're out there. We're doing it. You can go to L.A., and, you know, same thing, the March, March for Life SoCal. I mean, you have to go to the places. To see yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think that if they showed up in San Jose, I think it would be more receptive. Do you know what I mean? I think that if a female is talking about, you know, something like an abortion, I, I think a female is going to be able to empathize more with a female, oh. Oh, yeah. whereas a male, yeah. you know, to give birth, you know, it, it's just not there. You yeah, know? especially if there's a level which true. I suppose some women might say it was a little bit disingenuous. It was a guy that right. got me in this shape like in the first place. talking well, about yeah. prostate cancer. Right, right. You no, know, but women can get that. But you know what? But you know what? I, I, I want to say something, Linda, because I, I want to applaud you for the observation. You, you've mm -hmm. caught on to a very critical truth here, that you're right. Women would be more receptive to this message, I think. Yeah. Um, now here's what you need to do. You need to start talking about this. Yeah. And you need to talk to your girlfriends. You need to talk about this at church uh, and your acquaintances who are believers and, and, and pro-life individuals and say, hey, ladies, let's all get together. Yeah. Uh, the more that women do to get involved... In this battle, uh, the faster we can we can win the battle. Am I right? Exactly. And bring your lady friends and go down to Planned Parenthood in San Jose. I mean, I know a group of young women that are out there periodically. So if you can get there, definitely go there and talk to the women, engage them. Um, it's definitely more, I, well, it's more effective woman to woman than it is man to woman. But you need everybody on the sidewalk because there's a male perspective that women can't share. And there's a woman's perspective, you know, that men can't share. So if it's a joint effort, I think if we're all out there on the sidewalk saying, hey, there is another way, 
Do not go in this building. Do not end the life of your child. Talk to us because there is help. And you just need to know where it is. You just need to know who it is. You need to know that it's available. And, you know, make the good choice, the life choice for you and your child, and it'll end up much better. And, and, you know, truth be told here, too, that there are a lot of women that are very involved in this. Uh, Most of the the crisis pregnancy centers almost exclusively are all women women leadership. I think of people going back many years, uh, like Beverly LaHaye of Concerned Women for America, uh, very vocal in this. uh, Dr. King, Martin Luther King's uh, niece, Alvita uh, uh, King, is is another critical, very uh, high-profile leader that's a woman in, in, in dealing with these issues. And, and there are quite a number of other names we can add to that list that we won't take the time to do now. Uh, but that the fact that we need more women <coughs> involved in this, uh, a hearty amen to that. Ladies, okay, now, you know, the, the gauntlet's been been thrown down. Get involved in this. We're going to spend some time uh, talking about how you can get involved and and what's being accomplished by this campaign right now and maybe how you can get some energy behind that as well, not just in Oakland, but taking a campaign like this to other uh, areas around the country. We continue our visit tonight with Reverend Walter Hoy, founder and president of Issues for Life Foundation. Information on the web, by the way, about the campaign, too many aborted.com. That's too many, T-O-O, too many aborted. Dot com. Back with more after this. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, back to the conversation. Again, to get more information about this campaign, you can log on. Simply go to TooManyAborted.com. At one detail, make it easier for you with specifics about the Oakland campaign, forward slash CA for California. So, two, T-O-O, TooManyAborted.com, forward slash CA, and that'll take you right there. Let's get back to more of your calls in the city of Oakland. Prima, good evening. You're on KFAX with Reverend Walter Hoy. Good evening. Hi, Walter. Hi, Lori. This is Prima. Hey, hey how, how are you doing? I saw I saw your name come up, and I says, uh-oh, that, that, that got her fired up. And <laughs> you heard the previous call. <laughs> That's right. Hey, listen, I just, first of all, want to just congratulate um, uh, Walter and Lori. For the, the billboards are absolutely breathtaking, and they, the message is so clear. And so I'm just so proud of them, and, and, and just, you know, kudos to you for, for, for doing this. But I just want to say that, you know, I, I just want to give my message, and the message I never hesitate to give to anyone, any woman that I can talk to is that abortion stays with you. Um, I don't care how long it's been that you've had abortion. You're going to know about that. The Lord is going to bring that to you. And I've heard that from Christ, women who are not Christians, that the fact that you've had that abortion will stay with you forever. And so, but I just want to say that, you know, there are programs for women who have aborted their children and, you know, who, who, who can come to understand that the Lord does forgive. And out of some of those classes come some of the strongest pro-life women. I am so excited that one of the women who graduated from my class that I have, um, and I'll mention that later, is now, the Lord has touched her heart, and she is now going to be having the same class at her church 
and I'm going to be training her um, for next year. And so I'm really excited about that. Um, that uh, the ministry that I lead is Jehovah Rapha Ministry for Post-Abortive Women, and it's at Neighborhood Church. So just wanted to say that. Uh, God bless you, Walter and Lori, and you too, Craig. Well, thank you so um, much, uh, dear. Good to hear from you tonight. I'm, I'm glad they got you riled up to, <laughs> to call in this evening. <laughs> I and stay riled up when it comes to pro-life. I know. Amen. We sure appreciate your example out there. Thanks for the call, uh, Prima. Alrighty. Take care now. Uh, Walter, Tell me about how this campaign is being received right now. I mean, it's interesting because you look at the billboard, and again, folks can see samples of it on the web, com forward slash CA. I mean, this can be a great self-esteem campaign at a lot of levels. It speaks truth at that level and certainly to the issue of abortion. What kind of feedback are you getting from the community so far in something like this? Well, um, it's, it's interesting. I'm getting feedback from both sides. Um, there, there are folks that have called and, and literally just wanted me to tell them every location so they could um, uh, graffiti the billboard or something mm-hmm. like that. So some very negative uh, feedback has, has come from that, um, the campaign. Then on the other hand, uh, the phones are just ringing off the, the hook. The, the media is calling, the community is calling, and they're congratulating us on the way we're doing it. They like the black and beautiful theme. Uh, they like the, the beautiful child on there. And then the message is really quite clear, just too many aborted. And when they actually open up the website and take a look at the sheer numbers, uh, many of them are, are stunned. Uh, one of the, the big comments that we get is that many folks didn't realize that over 80,000 of the 214,000 abortions in the state of California are, are Medi-Cal abortions. And so now we're talking about 30 the the 50 million dollars you know of our tax dollars being used for abortion that's just something that just no one is talking about so when they look at our website they take a look at all the information there they're just astounded at what's really going on you and i've talked um, on the program here in the past about the, this wonderful uh, documentary film that was done a couple of years ago uh mafa 21 is there a link to that site through your portal uh, no, but matter of fact, I, I'll have to put one on there. Uh, we, we've got a brand new link on our website, tomeaboard.com forward slash CA. If you go to that website, uh, the National Black Pro-Life Coalition has got a brand new video that we're releasing for Juneteenth. Uh, it's it's a, a tremendous three-minute clip, and we want to encourage everyone to watch that and, and leave some comments on that. MAFA 21 is by far uh, one of the most important documentaries you you've ever seen uh mark crutch is a very good friend of mine and you'll find that this is a definitive uh, a documentary on abortion itself it answers the question why does abortion even exist in america who thought it was a good idea to begin with and when you understand the origins of abortion uh you're much more connected with our campaign absolutely uh you know and i and i think to understand some of the the connection with things like um and terms that folks might not even know anymore that they were popular you know 80 years ago science of eugenics margaret, margaret sanger absolutely uh, if if you give a listen to uh or read rather some of her writings and the positions that she's took uh going back to uh, the 1920s uh the the racist thread is strong it is obvious it is irrefutable and then to look at this big picture that you know the whole science of eugenics coming out of uh, um, um, darwinism and the survival yeah. of the fittest i mean you know margaret sanger was looked up to as a a you know um, a leader 
and, and, and certainly cutting edge by the likes of Adolf Hitler, yeah. who <laughs> looked exactly. at that and said, you know, that fits into mm-hmm. my racist designs against the Jewish population quite nicely. Well, here in the United States, it's flipped, and instead of attacking Jews, we're attacking black Americans. And it's been that way since uh, the 1920s. And again, getting a look at the truth behind all of that uh, can be seen in that documentary to which we refer. Uh, if you just Google, I'll make it easy for you, Google M-A-A-F-A, MAFA, 21. Somebody called me last time we talked about it and said, Mafia? I don't understand the connection. <laughs> it's Mafia. M-A-A-F-A. Mafia 21. <coughs> Google it and that'll take you there. Yeah. Um, this campaign will continue for how long and where does it go next, Walter? Well, uh, this campaign uh, really started uh, earlier uh, this month uh, around, I believe, the 6th. Right. And then it'll, it'll, it'll travel all the way through uh, July 10th. Okay. Uh, and then any designs and what city what community to take it to next or can you talk about that i can't talk about the city specifically but we are getting requests to bring it to almost every city in the in the state uh so we're going to sit down together and decide what which city we're going to take it to next i'm in radio i know what billboards cost i know that they don't give them away uh that no said, they don't you know you would uh, uh <coughs> You would hope that there would be people that would get a a burden on their heart for something like this and and to recognize what an effective tool that this can be in speaking truth on the topic of not just what's happening with with abortion, but in specific what's happening with abortion as it relates to the African-American community. If somebody out there says, you know, Walter, I want to get involved here in a tangible way, um, they want to write a check or get more information about what you do and be able to donate. I understand that they can do that through your primary ministry website, which yes. is issues, the number four, life.org. Is that correct? That's correct. That's issues, and that's plural, issues, the number four, life, L-I-F-E, dot O-R-G. And just click on the donation button. Uh, there you can give online. There you'll find the address to mail the check to. And believe me, um, I can promise you that every cent that, that you give us will be used for ministry. And, uh, again, uh, fully tax-deductible when you do that. So if God's put a burden on your heart and you want to stand with this educational campaign uh, going on through July in the city of Oakland, uh, or to help put some seed money available to other communities since the scourge of abortion is hitting the black community in major uh, population centers all across the country, then, uh, again, check out the website, check out the billboard online, com forward slash CA. That's T-O-O, too many aborted dot com forward slash ca and to get involved to volunteer to write a check and donate and support what walter is doing online at issues plural issues the number four life l-i-f-e dot o-r-g walter some closing thoughts well i i i'd like for us to consider the fact uh that our black children well all children are precious and that our, our future is really in our children and when we when we consider we've lost 15 million children, uh, that should break the heart of everyone listening uh, to us. And then when you can think about over 50 million overall, all the lives that have been lost since 1973, we've got to come to the conclusion that abortion must end, and it must end in our lifetime. And there has to be psychologically, emotionally, certainly spiritually, the understanding here of the tie, the tie that exists between the way, in particular, young black men view themselves today and the message that's being sent by abortion 
Uh, I'm of no value. I'm of no worth. Look at how many in my community are being disposed of. Uh, staggering. staggering numbers. It is. And is it any wonder that, that there's no hesitation when it comes to, to violence and the rage <coughs> pardon me, that boils below the surface behind all of this? Absolutely. I was standing in front of a, an abortion clinic uh, in downtown Oakland. And uh, the the husband or the, the boyfriend, the girlfriend uh, drove up. The girlfriend said she just wanted to go ahead and go into the clinic. Uh, she did. So I stopped and talked to the individual, to the brother. The brother told me he was 26-year-old, had his first kid when he was 16. This is 10 years now. He says that between 16 and 26, he's lost 16. He's had 16 uh, children, and only 14 of the 16 children were um, alive. Or, or aborted, rather, have been aborted. Only, only two survived. Only the two survived. And of the two that survived, uh, they their mothers had applied a restraining order against him. Mm. And he told me he was no longer a man. He didn't consider himself to be a man. He was completely broken. His life was completely shattered. And at that point, we began to minister to him right there on the sidewalk. This has a tremendous impact on men. And so we encourage men and women, everyone needs to get involved, need to learn the truth, and find the hope, the health, and the healing that's available in Christ's arms. Amen. Walter, thank you for joining us again. Lori, is always good to see you, too. Again, more information on the web, toomanyaborted.com forward slash CA. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. For those who have loved ones currently in the hospital, who have perhaps lost a loved one, it raises many of the why God questions. Why does God allow things to happen like this? And when we're in these kinds of times, whether we're talking about the tragedy of what unfolded yesterday in Boston, to the loss of a child, to maybe just the day-to-day challenges that we face in life, oftentimes we we feel as if we're kind of groping about, and we're we're wondering in the middle of the darkness of our experience, how do we find God? Coincidentally, a new title of a book called called Finding God in the Dark, and it's co-written by my next guest, Ted Gluck. Ted, of course, has been on the program previously. We talked to him uh, some months ago regarding his best-selling book, Dallas and the Spitfire. Back again to join us today, and Ted, is always great to have you on the show. Hey, Craig, thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Boy, the timing of our conversation today in the wake of the tragedy of Boston yesterday, again, it just touches on so many levels emotionally and and spiritually. Kind of give me your overall sense, um, particularly in the spirit in which uh, you wrote this book along with Ronnie Martin. Um, We're in these moments, be it the tragedy of yesterday to simply maybe losing a job, losing a loved one. We grapple with the sense of where God, why God? Yeah, we really do. I mean, you you hit the nail on the head. These are these are existential questions. You know, these are questions that that strike to the core of our existence, and um, they really strike to the core of how it is that we think about God. And um, you know, as as I prepared for the show tonight, I, I knew you were going to ask me about this, and I was I was talking it over and, and praying about it with my wife, and I was reminded of the verse in First Thessalonians that says. You know, as Christians, we don't grieve like those who have no hope, and you know, but we still grieve. You know, and, and whether you're intimately involved in a situation like this, or or whether you're just kind of observing it from the outside, I mean, you're grieved. And 
I'm reminded of the the doctrine of total human depravity. You know, the idea that that we're all sinners in this world with sick hearts, and that there's no hope for us, and there's there's nothing good apart from Christ. And I think, you know, what what you take from this event. I mean, you watch the media and you hear things like, you know, we're going to do everything we can, and you know, there's all kinds of kind of governmental slash military finagling going on, and and. On one hand, you you root for that, and you're you're hopeful that something will be done. But you know, as Christians, we know that um, apart from the cross and apart from Christ, you know, there's really there's not a good answer. You know, there's not a great hopeful thing that that Obama or anyone else can say to people to really make them feel better. So, you know, I think for us, maybe the takeaway is an opportunity to to recognize the sin in our own hearts. And you know, much of my book deals with that. You know, this idea that. You know, it wasn't until I really humbled myself and threw myself at the foot of the cross that I had any joy and any peace in this life. And I think we were reminded that we don't find our joy and peace in circumstances or situations. You know, it, it isn't God's job to, to make everything perfect for us, um, uh, but He does find us, He does seek us out, and He does give us the opportunity to, to humble ourselves and, and find joy and peace in Him. You know, what you say, I know... Even with my listeners eavesdropping on this conversation right now, we 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 resonate with what you say. We we certainly readily give a mental assent to your observations, and yet oftentimes isn't there that disconnect that we experience? Meaning that we understand, for example, if we want to just kind of uh, coldly in a very calculated manner dissect what transpired yesterday, it is you know man's depravity. It is separation of God from God by by sin. It is our inclination to do wrong and evil, and the influence of the enemy in our lives. We understand all of that, and we can certainly, in many ways, kind of pigeonhole or categorize the pain of yesterday into those categories. We give complete, total mental assent to those realities. And yet there's this disconnect where emotionally, though, we're still saying, but wait a minute, God. I mean, aren't you supposed to come in and kind of, you know, save the day? Uh, We look at this and say, well, you know, of all the people that died yesterday, uh, three all told, why did one of them have to be an eight-year-old boy? And suddenly now we're kind of emotionally uh, and spiritually wrestling with God over these things. Yeah, we are, you know, and I I fully agree. And I think, you know, for those of us who, who grew up Christian or grew up in evangelical homes like I did. I mean, I think I, I spent a lot of years just intellectually assenting to things and not really feeling or experiencing them. And there's this this strange tension in the church where you know you're you're clinging to truth and you have biblical truth, but yet you you still want to experience things. You want to feel comforted. And you know, for me, uh, I think the Bible is full of of, of examples of people who you know, cling to, cling to Christ and cling to, cling to God in the midst of really horrible things that are happening to them. And on one level, you, you, you don't really maybe find comfort in their stories, but I, I find comfort in the idea that there's a model for how we can cling to the Lord in those times, how we can cry out to the Lord, how, you know, King David, who, you know, the Bible says was a man after God's own heart, but, but was also this horrible sinner. You know, he was a, an adulterer and a murderer, and he has the audacity and the and the courage really to ask God for a clean heart, and then he asks God to restore his joy. And this is, you know, when people are pursuing him and and chasing after him to take his life. You know, he even he even clings to to the Lord for joy in that. And you know, as to how that comforts, you know, someone who's who's grappling with the reality of yesterday, I don't know, but I'm but I'm glad it's there, and I'm glad, 
you know, the Bible gives us a, a model for how we're to do that. And I've, I've found, I mean, my experience has been um, that there's really been no earthly comfort outside of that. And, you know, sometimes we can't explain these things away. We can't, um, you know, God doesn't let us know immediately why it's happening. Um, but, but that feeling of joy and peace, even in the midst of, uh, of life's terrible storms, I mean, that's something that uh, experientially we can we can look to the Lord and just say thank you. There's one thing, though, that tends to kind of complicate this, and after a brief time out, I want to kind of dig deeper. We, we spoke of the, the mental ascent to what we understand to be true from God's perspective, from God's Word. Then there's kind of the emotional struggles that we go uh, go into, where we, we understand intellectually what's going on, and yet emotionally still there's that sense of disillusionment and fear and doubt and unbelief. The third aspect that kind of complicates this scenario is the big cover-up, and we'll talk about that when we come back after a brief time out. Best-selling author Ted Kluck is with us today, a look at Finding God in the Dark. I'm Craig Roberts, back with more of the conversation as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. We continue our visit with best-selling author Ted Kluck. He, along with co-author Ronnie Martin, have written a new book called Finding God in the Dark. Now, we talked a bit about that sense of giving mental assent to what we know are the realities of what's going on in these kind of circumstances, Ted, and yet oftentimes uh, being just overwhelmed by emotional senses of of doubt and fear and disillusionment. But then there's kind of the other third item that I think tends to complicate this, and you talk about it in the book. It's something that we evangelicals in particular seem to be very adept at, and that is um, kind of faking our way through pain, you know, painting on the smile and and getting past the greeter at the door at church on Sunday or, you know, uh, giving the obligatory, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? When in fact, we're really not. And I'm wondering if sometimes that sets up a barrier that really blocks us from the ability to deal with how we're feeling and kind of find the sort of uh, peace and relief that we seek. Yeah, I think it absolutely does, and I think, you know, I wrote about it in the book. I was absolutely guilty of that for so many years, you know. The issues were different for me in that, you know, our our hard times, our dark places, if you will, were infertility, um, a failed adoption, um, some vocation-related failures that I was experiencing, and instead of, you know, being humbled and clinging to the cross and those things, for a lot of years I just got more bitter, you know, more bitter, more cynical, um, but week after week, day after day, you know, Sunday after Sunday, I would go into church and, and, you know, I was, I was everybody's buddy and, and the back slapping lobby guy with a smile for everybody. But inside I was really dying, you know, and I was really struggling with, you know, how do I love a God who, uh, would put me through this quite frankly was, was my thought process. And, um, it was really tough, you know, and, and thankfully the, the same institution that was hard for me in that, the church. Um, it was tough to go to church, and it was tough to see everybody else, I thought, prospering, you know, while I was kind of circling the drain, I thought. But um, it was that same institution that ended up being, you know, such a help and such a comfort for me as the Holy Spirit uh, pursued me out of that. I guess the irony is that a lot of us are often going through this, whether it's the way in which a whole community suffers, such as in the wake of the 
Boston bombing or individual families. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job. As you point out in your case, it was an adoption that right on the cusp of, of everything coming together, um, your uh, your little Ukrainian daughter, who who was literally the 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 sister of, of one of your adopted boys, uh, mm-hmm. another couple stepped in and the law did what it did uh, thousands of miles away and that whole adoption process fell apart. That created a great deal of pain in your life. And I guess maybe the issue oftentimes here is when we're going through pain or fear or doubt or disillusionment, uh, we want to keep up a happy face. You know, nobody typically posts on Facebook what a terrible day that they're having or what an awful meal that they had. They will all tend to kind of want to be uh, happy and, and, and sort of, you know, put on the dog, so to speak. And yet behind that mask oftentimes lurks an awful lot of pain. Yeah, that's so right, man. I, I think oftentimes we're our own best press agents. And, you know, from being in Christian media and Christian entertainment, as I am, you know, there, there is this often kind of creepy, you know, motivation to self-promote. And um, I find I found myself doing a ton of that, you know, uh, again, on Facebook, my Facebook persona was, you know, I was this happy, successful guy with a great family and, um, you know, all kinds of success and all kinds of exciting things happening. But you know, for anybody who knew me then or, or anybody who was close to me then, you know, the opposite was really true. And um, it wasn't until, you know, I heard some convicting preaching. Um, it wasn't until I, you know, I went to some friends of mine in the church, uh, a pastor and an elder, and just said, look, I'm I'm struggling here. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really dying here. I'm really bitter, and uh, I need your help. You know, um, thank God, you know, for me that the Holy Spirit pursued me in that way and, uh, and, and kind of led me to do that, because I think even though the circumstances really haven't changed, you know, this book isn't one of those stories where, you know, we pray a couple of times and then we get rich and have a bunch of kids and everything starts going right for us. You know, the, the circumstances are the same, essentially, um, but, but Christ has given me a lot of joy and a lot of peace in the midst of that, so I'm thankful. What's the big takeaway? Um, as both you and Ronnie have shared a lot of personal pain in this book, what are you hoping to be the big takeaway for readers and for our listeners tonight? Yeah, you know what? I think a couple of things. Number one, we can feel so alone in our churches um, when we do struggle and when we are in dark places. And uh, Ronnie and I hope that this book would kind of be the, the friend that we don't have in churches, you know, the the person who's willing to be honest about their own struggles and their own sins and their own you know, dark places. So hopefully it'll be a comfort to people on that level. But um, I think the other takeaway really is just a, a simple presentation of the gospel. You know, that if we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord and we acknowledge our sinful hearts and our brokenness, that He'll lift us up, you know, and He'll um, He'll redeem us and He'll give us peace and He'll give us, you know, the, the clean hearts and the, and the joy of our salvation that David talks about in Psalm 51. And, you know, I think in, in different ways and in different struggles, uh, Ronnie and I have both uh, experienced that, and we wanted to, you know, to write the book as a really an outpouring of thanks to uh, to a Lord who would who would do that for us. You know, a couple of really sinful, screwed up guys. We have a lot of observers right now who they themselves are asking questions, who do not currently have a relationship with the Lord, and I know it's easy sometimes to come up with pat answers. But from a sincere standpoint, as as maybe people out there who are not believers are seeking answers and, and asking the why God questions as well, what, what do you tell these people in, in terms of how they can find God in the dark? I think keep asking and keep seeking. And, um, 
you know, the, the Holy Spirit will find you. You know, I, I think, you know, we serve a Lord who, who finds us and who pursues us and who loves us enough to, you know, to, to, to come after us at times. And, you know, I think if, if people are asking questions, that's a great sign. You know, I don't think you, I don't think you get anywhere in this life without asking the hard questions. And, you know, again, you know, there's this, there's this weird tension in the church where you're just so, sometimes you feel like you're supposed to smile and show up and, um, everything will be great for you, but you know it really wasn't until Ronnie and I started ask, started asking those hard questions that um, that we got any peace. And um, so I would say keep asking. I would say, you know, search for truth. I mean, I think we we live in a culture where um, it's very cool and it's very sexy to to be journeying and never arrive anywhere. Um, it's cool to be a seeker, but not a, a, a pursuer of truth. But I would say you know, seek hard after truth in Scripture and uh, and see how the Lord reveals himself to you. A look at finding God in the dark. Ted Kluck, along with Ronnie Martin, the authors of this new book. And the book, by the way, is re- recently published by, i got to get my cheaters on here, boy. Reaching that age, are you, Roberts? Uh, Bethany House Publishers, and you can find it at bookstores throughout the Bay Area. You can also get it through Ted's website at Ted Kluck, K-L-U-C-K. And our thanks again to Ted Cluck for visiting with us in this segment of Lifeline. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.